0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Digitalks podcast. I'm your host, Natalie, and today I'm joined by Matt Cielo. Thanks Hello. for joining me, Matt.
1: Thank you. I've Thanks never for met someone me. whose
0: name is almost harder than mine to pronounce. <laughs> 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 and I actually had to ask twice how to say it, and I still don't think I said it right. No. Anyway, today is going to be an interesting one. I have said in a couple of previous episodes that we're changing things up a little bit um, due to popular demand. Slight exaggeration. However, I think there's something has that has been really prevalent in previous episodes and consistent in marketing in the work space just in life at the moment is mental health and well-being. So when I met Matt going back last year and we started chatting, I thought he could be a really good one to get on the podcast. So Give you the rundown. Since 2015, Matt has been working on the development and dissemination of mental well-being interventions across the Australian community at the South Australian Health and Medical Research Institute. Yes, that is the summary. All right. It is, isn't it? It's the cheese grater.
1: It's the cheese grater.
0: Yeah. I feel bad when I say it, but also like everyone knows it when you say that. The impact and relevance of Matt's work has been demonstrated with invited presentations at international academic conferences and multiple media stories with significant online engagements. Matt's research investigates the dual continua model, an innovative model of mental health. The dual continua model of mental health suggests that mental illness and mental well-being reflect distinct continua rather than the extreme ends of a single spectrum. But the thing is, and we'll go into this more, but They say that this novel conceptualization of the relationship between mental illness and mental well-being has significant implications in the way we promote mental health and prevent, treat, and recover from mental illness. Matt is engaged in the development of a mental well-being program called the Be Well Plan. So I'll get you to tell more about that because there's no point me yammering on because no one cares what I have to say. But Matt has done some amazing work here in SA. We're working with businesses to promote well-being, good mental health, and all the things that we need to know about. So something that we have talked about is this concept of well-being. Mm -hmm. So tell me, what, what does well-being mean to you?
1: Yeah. Like it's such a broad concept and you can go like as philosophical as you like. You know, I've been reading this guy's book who who is a philosopher and he's kind of like across the the three fields that do focus on sort of well being. It's philosophy, economics, and psychology. Mm-hmm. And he kind of started with this idea of like it's it's what he calls or what the world calls the prudential good. That's what they mean by well being. Which again, I'm seeing confused faces. That's 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 fine. It's it basically day means in your like, life. yeah, <laughs> basically. But it really means like, what is good for you? That's what is right. well being, right? What is good for you? So different fields, different academic disciplines have different answers for that. You know, what is good for you? Naturally. Yeah. And, I, and really, like, the split is down like, should we be talking about objective things? Like, we talk about like baby's birth weight? Are we talking about heart rate, these sorts of things, or this subjective side of things? So, how do I feel? Yeah. So we really work in that subjective side of things. So when we talk about mental well-being, we're talking about the things that, you know, give life a sense of meaning and purpose. We're talking about relationships. That's a positive. very
0: philosophical question. What is the meaning of life?
1: Yeah, well, basically, <laughs> and that's the that's why we don't really have a very good answer. But um, <laughs> There are definitely aspects of, of well-being that are really clearly defined. It's just which of these aspects are relevant for you. So we've done this big review on measures of mental well-being. So basically what we're saying is all these fields have focused on this idea of well-being. They've asked the same question that you've asked. They've made measures of well-being, which are like surveys. What these surveys have is like different combinations of aspects of mental health. Yep. So some say, I'm measuring well-being and what I measure is meaning, relationships and autonomy. Then someone else does another measure of well-being. They say, yep, we've got autonomy in ours, but we've got positive emotion and we've got self-acceptance. So basically, we found 155 different measures of wow. well-being. So like, this is why I can't give you a very good answer, yeah. right? Because there's 155 different measures.
0: How long is a piece of strength?
1: Basically, yeah. they said they were measuring 400 different things. We've kind of synthesized that into 21 different things. Yep. Yeah. Which is why I can't give you a very clear, straightforward answer. But it's basically the things that are good for you. Is how, did you it, how
0: did you narrow it down to 21.
1: You know, the problem with academics is that they think they know all the answers in general.
0: <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I mean, that's, that's their, probably one of the greatest weaknesses. But it, it's also that people are incentivized to like have invented their own thing.
0: Yeah, totally. So like
1: this is my model of well-being. It's so smart. Sheldon Street Theory. Right. It's better than yours. I'm ashamed to say how much I've watched Big Bang Theory, by the way. I love it. You know, (laughs) this is my model. It's better than your model. Better than that model. And the truth is, when we were looking through this list of 400 things, like someone was talking about having a sense of energy in life, whereas someone was talking about vitality. When you get to the bottom of- It's the thing. (laughs) Exactly.
0: It is, right?
1: Absolutely. And so part of why we've had to do this process, like in a way, it's really annoying that we've done this study because it shouldn't have to be done. But what we had to do is go like you called it vitality, you called it uh, energy level. What did you actually mean by that? I mean,
0: yeah, that's subjective. Because,
1: yeah, when you talk about vitality, even you can be talking about like I feel like mental energy or I feel like physical fatigue. You know, like there's lots of variation even within each of these things. So we're going down this process of nailing down what do we mean, trying to develop what's called a taxonomy of mental health. So a taxonomy is like basically a list of things that define a, a concept. And so what we're trying to do is, and we've got partners from around the world, which is really cool in this project, is to, is to get what they call academic consensus. So can we all agree what should be sitting within well-being?
0: Yeah, I just find it so funny that you have to get academic consensus for everyone just to be like, cool, yeah, we're, we're aligned. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, and they don't agree. They don't agree.
0: Do you think that's an ego thing? <laughs> Trick Probably. question.
1: <laughs> uh, that would definitely be part of it. That would definitely be part of it.
0: Can I ask how you became interested in this concept of well-being and obviously mental health? Because to go, obviously, you know, you've, you've done your PhD and all of those things. How did you kind of go, I really want to focus on this?
1: Yeah. Well, I was working in Samri. So my, my background is not in psychology. It's in sort of biomedical science. So I was working in a lab at Samri. Um, and it was a really cool project that I was working on. It was about the impact of obesity from antidepressants. And the fact that it's a side effect of antidepressants, but even once you come off the antidepressants, the obesity can continue.
0: So that's proven, is it?
1: Well, that's what it was studying, yeah. Yeah, right. I, I kind of haven't been paying attention since I stopped, but so probably proven is what I would <laughs> Google say. Google it. Yeah, probably <laughs> proven. But my day-to-day life there was working in a lab with like I had 75 obese rats that I was dealing with, giving them antidepressants, that kind of thing. So it wasn't, oh, that sounds you know. awful. <laughs> well, it was like underground. There's no windows. It wasn't... <laughs> It wasn't like... I'm a bit more of a people person, right? So...
0: I can't imagine you being stuck in a lab with uh, rats.
1: Yeah, it wasn't my favorite place in the world to be. Like some people like it. And for most people, I think they probably put up with it. But for me, it was like... Not a vibe. Not a vibe. So I found out about this new team that was starting at Samri. And they were all about preventative mental health in the community. I thought this was exactly where I want to be. Um, I was lucky to sort of jump across and and start working with them. and, And that's where I've been. And so... In terms of the PhD, where we've been, which I'm about to submit like this week, basically. It's
0: exciting. Yeah.
1: Well, it would have been
0: submitted by the time this goes live. So oh, there you go. Yep. Kudos. Yep.
1: Hopefully. <laughs> let's wait and see. But we were really, you know, because we were working sort of in the real world, we we're working in workplaces and we were sort of saying, especially at the start, like seven years ago, well-being was kind of seen as maybe like stepping on the toes of psychology, you know, even though, I mean, obviously it comes from psychology, but psychologists were in the space saying like, this is our thing. And we were very conscious of that. And and of course that, you know, they do have a very important place and a very specialized skill set. We didn't want to step on those Absolutely. toes. Absolutely. We were really saying, you know, like we work in the well-being space. So we work with the sort of like the the not unwell group and trying to get, you know, improve their quality of life, improve their well-being. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um but rather we, than treatment. Yes. But then we started measuring distress. And so we're working in these workplaces and, and these are like everyday places. And we're starting to see like high levels of distress as you, you know, you know, everyone knows the statistic, I think of one in five people diagnosed with a mental illness or or likely to have one. It's
0: a scary statistic.
1: It is. And that was basically the point where what we were saying was kind of no longer true. This idea that we're working in a general well, you know, in a general workplace where everyone's healthy. Well, that's actually not a general workplace because you have this one in five that's everywhere. And that's what we were seeing in our data. So we had to get really a bit more sophisticated in how we thought about our work and how We thought about the relationship between well-being and mental illness. And that's really what kicked it off for me.
0: Right. So how do you kind of communicate that fine line between psychology and well-being then?
1: Yeah, well, not very well (laughs) by my intro, but um, we've really been influenced by this model, which is called the dual continuum model. And, And so what it means like dual continuum, meaning two continuum, we've always sort of thought about your mental health as like this single continuum, like a number scale. So negative 10 is mental illness, plus 10 is, is well-being. Right. And what this model suggests, and there's all this evidence now to, to indicate, is that they're actually operating on two separate continua. So you can kind of think about it like a quadrant, like two, mm-hmm. two lines, two continuum, where you have one which is your level of distress, but one which is your level of well-being. And what that means is that you can have a low level of well-being without a mental illness, or it's possible to have a mental illness and have high levels of well-being as well.
0: Right.
1: And so it opens up all these new doors and possibilities.
0: Well, and starts different conversations, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: Because I think the other thing, you know, we look at the last, probably the last few years and, you know, I think the reality is that COVID definitely highlighted people's awareness of perhaps mental illness. Yeah, for sure. Before it was kind of this thing you didn't talk about. You know, I think about even when I was in high school, it wasn't a thing. You didn't mm-hmm. talk about it. Whereas now every second person you know one in five and i love that people are open and honest and talking about it it's something that i'm really passionate about hence having you on today but i think it's kind of scary when you think about the lack of support that we do have in a workplace mm-hmm. and i think the attitudes that some workplaces have and i think that's where your insights really amazing because things have to change
1: yeah absolutely like and that's and that's a big point for us is that like if you think about it with our physical health if we our kind of push is that we start thinking about our mental health the way that we think of our physical health. And it's like, if you're diagnosed with a chronic condition, like, you know, a heart problem or diabetes or whatever, everyone understands that, like, yes, you have this thing, but you can still focus on your your physical activity, your nutrition, your sleep. And that's just good for its own right. Totally. It might even help you recover from that issue that you've got. We don't think about that when it comes to mental health. So it's like, you get diagnosed with a mental illness and it's like, it's all about this. I need to just focus on this. And and, and yet that's where the well-being thing is like the missing part here. It's like you can still focus on your relationships, the quality of your relationships, you know, finding a sense of meaning in life and self-acceptance, all these, all these things that I've mentioned so far. And that's the idea here is that we really need to sort of expand what we think falls under the category of mental health. Totally. Um, and that's the big thing that we're trying to push.
0: We had a conversation Going back when we first met last year, and I, I, it stuck with me. And I found it really interesting. I um I posed the question to you: Do we think that mental illness has become more prevalent recently because life is more complex for us, or has it always been around and we're just more hyper aware of it? And I love. I want. I want you to share the story about the study that you did.
1: Now you have to remind me what the study was with, about with
0: the Europeans. The nursing oh man, home.
1: I'm having it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. This is
0: the best story. Yeah.
1: Okay. Oh man. Like, don't know if it's the best story. What we do in work is we deliver these psychological skills where we we teach you about, you know, things like gratitude, things like using your strength rather than focusing on a weakness, you know, um, relationship skills, things like that. And I had a friend who works in Italian aged care and he had an interest in mental health. He said, Why don't we translate this stuff into Italian and I'll deliver it in my workplace with these sort of aged Italian migrant retirees. I love it. Anyway, so we did that. We got a small grant. We were able to translate it into Italian. And we thought what we would do is invite five or six of his kind of like, like do a bit of a pilot test, right? So five or six of his sort of more willing clients. I invited my own nonna, my own grandmother to come into Samri. And we sort of got him in a room and said, like just to test out the translation to be like, all right, this is how we've translated. Yeah, was it actually coming across correctly? Yeah, was it coming across correctly? Well, basically the joke is that we couldn't teach them anything. That was the point. And and it's not because of their capacity to learn. It was because they already knew this stuff. Because we get them in the room, we're talking about, you know, resilience. I mean, they were telling their old war stories, basically. Of You think you've had a tough, I've had a this bad. When I came to this country. When I I came here,
0: I had nothing. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) You know, like when I came here, I had a... A suitcase oh you had a suitcase i came here i only had two t-shirts <laughs> you know like you. <laughs> yeah exactly but what it was a real why it really opened my eyes was that this was a group of people in my opinion who who had actually learned all of these well-being skills from their culture basically like it was just ingrained in them you didn't have to explicitly you know sit down in a classroom and watch a powerpoint of is how you do this how you do this? they kind of already had it obviously they didn't call it what we called it but um it was really amazing that these ideas like the the, the I guess the cultural values that they had inherited protected them. And I think, you know, it's not just Italians who would feel that way. It's obviously lots of cultures around the world. Absolutely. I guess I'm kind of like, I guess I would say I personally am pretty traditional in that way, pretty old school. But a lot of the novelty in the world, it's kind of like what they call hyper novelty. So we're moving so quickly that evolution can't catch up basically and culture can't catch up. So we have had all these things in our culture that protect us and they build community and they build the sense of well-being, but as we've radically changed the way that we live, 100%. you know, we don't have those protections anymore. So I would say, sort of going back to your original question of you know the modern world, my concern for the modern world is that we've lost some of these things that have protected us, and it doesn't mean we have to go backwards in tradition. It just means we did have these protections. We need we need new ones or new methods for protection in the future.
0: And what do you think that looks like?
1: Good question. Good question. That's probably the multi-million-dollar question. But you know. Because I think we'll probably talk about social media at some point, but you know, social media can be part it of the solution, goes back right? There. <laughs> yeah. Like, and the point is, it, it can be part of the solution. You know, if you are yeah. talking about feeling connected with people, agree. You, if if we could have this magical social media where people were actually authentic, where they were actually connecting with others, you know, that would be amazing. That would be part of the solution. Couldn't agree more. Obviously, that's not what social media looks like at the moment, but it's an iterative thing that grows with time.
0: I think something that I often discuss. Even with clients or individuals that I'm working with on a personal branding point of view, I, I like to remind people that social media, it's social. It's yeah. not a billboard. It's not for one-way communication. It's for two-way conversation. It's for meaningful connection. It's for providing value. If you're, if you're not using it in those ways, A, you not going to see results if, if you are potentially looking at it from a business perspective. But also, you're actually abusing the privilege. I think it's a privilege. I think social media is a privilege. You know, I look at for me, it's a creative outlet. I I get access to so much inspiration, and I see so many people all over the world doing amazing things that otherwise I would not have access to. Yeah, Yeah. right. And I think it inspires us to be better people, better, better at jobs, better at just better at life. But it all comes down to your mindset.
1: Absolutely, and that's what we were talking about a little bit before was this idea of it's a tool, you know, and tools like a hammer. It can be good. It's a tool, is like a hammer is a good tool for building a house. It's bad when you get hit in the head by one.
0: Add that one to the book too, Nick.
1: Add it to the book. I don't know what that <laughs> means, but put it in the book.
0: We have a book of analogies. People who just use, I I love a good analogy. Oh, really? Last week it was cakes.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to look at this book at some point. But, you know, that's the idea of like, it's nothing. a tool is not good or bad. It's, it comes down to how it's used. Yeah.
0: And teaching people how to use it better.
1: For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I did a little bit of homework just to make sure I was ready for this. And I was looking for... Yeah.
0: Oh, I appreciate what, it. Yeah, that's okay.
1: great. <laughs> what is the research world saying about social media and mental health? And it's pretty interesting. Like someone has done this big study that I, saw, I think it was published in a couple of months ago. They did a study of about 700 universities around the US. They basically tracked as Facebook came out. It came out in a staggered way across unis. So they could basically look at the rates of mental illness in those universities before, like, basically, watch as
0: in real time, in as real Facebook's time, rolling basically, out. as
1: it's rolling exactly wild, right. kind of like you're rolling out a medication to this, to this place. See what happens that place, that place, that place. Wow! And what they saw was that basically, as Facebook came out, rates went up, and and other people have shown something like this, which is you know, almost more in a year by like a graduation year. If you look at graduation years and you compare which ones had Facebook, which ones didn't. We talked
0: about this. Yeah, yeah that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I, anyone that's interested, I recommend this book called The Coddling of the American Mind.
0: Yes. By Jonathan I, Haidt.
1: It's on my list. He goes really into depth about this. And he really focuses on the safety, particularly for young women, mm-hmm. of social media. And what I think from his research is probably similar to this previous one that I was talking about. But he basically showed for people who got through high school, I reckon we might have been the last year. You're nine too. Oh, I'm 8
0: Yeah, okay. I got Facebook in 8
1: Right, yeah. So basically people who got through high school without social media didn't have this effect, whereas people who had it at high school really saw that uh, rates of anxiety go up.
0: I mean, you look at, I remember having this conversation, you know, a couple of years post high school and we'd say, oh, you know, the kids in the year, a couple of years below us, they were getting like 700 likes on a profile picture. Yeah. And we were lucky to get 10. I'm like, what is this? This is madness. And it's been interesting to see over the past 10 years, that generation are now the micro-influencers on Instagram. They're now breeding TikTokers. Like, it's this weird, like, progression. It's almost a natural progression.
1: Yeah, no, like, like, exactly. We missed the boat basically by a few years. The interesting thing from this study, going back to the uni study, was that these guys, like they, they talk about like mediators. Like what mediate, what, was the, what was the actual thing that made this effect? And it looked like it was social comparisons. That was, that was the point. And I think everyone can resonate with this idea of when you're on... Like if you're looking at whatever...
0: You can't help but compare. It's well, exactly. A, it's a, no, it's a exactly. natural urge.
1: Exactly. And, and exactly. So again, who you're following makes a difference. So if you're looking at Kardashians and these sorts of things, of course, of course you... Compare yourself. And it's who not can real compare life. <laughs> I, no, I, I mean, I've got much harsher things to say than it's not real life about that particular group of people, but… I love them. Okay, <laughs> I don't. Um, it's Air's
0: birthday today.
1: I don't even know who that is.
0: They've announced his name. It's Air Webster. And today is the 3rd of February and it's his birthday.
1: I honestly have no idea who that is. It's Kylie um, Jenner's son. Oh, okay, fair enough. All
0: right. Anyway, back yeah. to regular
1: Anyway, whatever. The point being like, you know, if you could imagine a social media that didn't allow for… Or that was like, was in some way mitigated this issue of social comparisons. If they could do that, then it would be a much, you know, sort of safer environment, I guess.
0: But then here's where it draws a line between freedom of speech. Yeah. And like freedom sure. of usage versus, yeah, this almost, it, it, it is curated mm. then too, because almost curated is the point where you have to not curate it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think that be real, like they tried to do something a little bit like that. I don't know. Like, I know I'm speaking totally out of…
0: No, no, no. I said to someone the other day, I, I actually deleted Be Real because that, that was giving me anxiety. This thing would go off and it's like, take a photo. Mm. I'm a really… That's funny. Yeah. The person who loves social media. It gave me a lot of anxiety because I felt like I didn't want to do that right then. Okay. Right? So for me, I'm really trying to be a lot more mindful in what I do on a daily basis. I actually had a workshop with a real estate client yesterday and I was saying to the team, you know… In real estate, you are exposed to content every minute of the day. Now, it's kind of contradictory because in one breath, I'm telling you to be mindful and be present and really absorb your surroundings. But in the second breath, I'm saying, but absorb it and then go, what's content? And what can I capture? And what Mm. can I save for later? I'm not telling you to be on your phone all the time. I just want you to acknowledge and be aware of what the opportunities are in that moment. Whereas I feel like Be Real challenges that a little bit because it's like, Take the photo right now, and I will send you notifications. Even if you
1: were in the middle of something,
0: correct. And I think, like, if I, if, and I, I'm speaking from experience, if I'm sitting in a, in a meeting or a conversation with someone, and Be Real goes off, and they go, "Oh, real quick," that's annoying.
1: Mm, interesting. From this whole well-being space, this is, this is one guy who really like led the charge of a lot of this well-being stuff. He's a Russian, and his surname is like super hard to pronounce, but it's uh, like Mike Chiksentmihaly. But he, you can just Google Flow. And he talked about this idea of flow.
0: Okay,
1: and this like because what you're talking about is interruptions to flow.
0: Yes.
1: Um, and flow is like when you're in the zone, basically. Like he talks about it, like being one with the music, that kind of thing. And you, you know, that's an, that's another thing that I think social media, but our phones in general, really interrupt. Phones, is like 100%. just getting in the zone of something. It doesn't really matter what it is. Emails um, do it. Emails yeah, interrupt absolutely. you
0: so much. Yeah. Your phones in general.
1: Just notification. I mean, their attention, gra- that's what they're designed to do, right? They're attention grabbing things. And so not that you're asking how to improve your well-being, but this idea of flow is a really important one. It's, it's the idea that, you know, there's this idea of like being stressed. Stress is bad, but there's idea of eustress, where it's kind of like talked about as being like positive stress. So it's like when you're just being challenged enough, that you're actually growing.
0: Yes. And
1: that when you're in eustress, you you're sort of in flow. And so if you're never in flow, you're basically…
0: Just cruising, you're just stagnant.
1: Well, you're just losing that opportunity for development. And and I think if you're not, that's the thing now. I think you have to live in a very, in a much more intentional way. I think if you were sitting around like when you were probably like 13 on school holidays, you were bored as hell, right? Because I don't even want to think about that. Right. But then maybe you did like whatever. Video games can be you stress, like going out, doing things with friends, you stress, puzzles, whatever it might like. I don't know what you were doing when you were 13, but.
0: You've got me thinking now. I really don't remember. Well, you started
1: you were doing that, right? And now it's like you can easily sit on the phone and just scroll. Like it's like eight o'clock. I got two kids at home. It's so easy for us to put those two to bed. That's and great. it's like, oh, we could do like we could watch a movie, we could get an early night's sleep, we could blah, blah, blah. Or sit on the couch and before you know It's been three hours. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what have you gained? Nothing. And what have we lost? Probably a lot.
0: I think a big thing that has become really visible to me is the lack of people skills yeah. as a result of these phones. Mm-hmm. I get frustrated when I'm, again, sitting in a conversation with someone, having a meal with someone, and they're on their phone. Put it on the table. Put yeah. it in your bag. Yeah. It can wait.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, do. I mean, do you think that's starting to swing? I feel like it's kind of starting to swing like the pendulum is.
0: I hope so. Can you talk more about this whole pendulum thing? We will talk about this before. I think this is so accurate. It probably sounds like a really s- silly concept to you, but it's so accurate.
1: No, I don't think it's silly. I think it's just like as things change, technologies change, the pendulum swings one, you know, too far one way and then it kind of autocorrects and probably eventually swings back too far the other way. So we were kind of talking about it in the context of phone use and kids and this idea that maybe the, this is just my opinion now, right? But my judgmental, harsh opinion, but maybe parents I'm seeing amongst my friends, like they're much more conscious of screen time that they'll allow for their kids. Yeah. Because uh, I think we've kind of seen like maybe the last 10 years of kids who are like addicted to iPads. Totally. Or on so and you think like, shit, man, you're posting that. You're like 12. You know, that we've kind of had that reaction. So the pendulum swung a long way. I'm not blaming anyone because, you know, no one really know, Like no one knew what there's this no, stuff there's was. There's no rule book. There is no rule book. Exactly. And, and that's kind of, maybe that's the right point is that the rule book is kind of setting a little bit where, you know, the pendulum kind of comes back to, you know, sort of like the healthy range again.
0: And I think the platforms as well are making an effort to be even more conscious around health, uh, mental health and, mm-hmm. sa- and actual physical safety as well. You know, there is child,
1: child mode on Instagram. That's a, probably a really good example, getting rid of the number of likes yeah. or whatever.
0: I'm really glad you mentioned that because that was a massive thing. So going back, gosh, I want to go back to, probably I was still working in influencer marketing, so it would have been probably five, six years ago. Likes were the one thing that messed with your head to the point where people really? were buying likes, people were buying followers because it was these vanity metrics, right? Yeah. And from an influencer marketing perspective, this is when as a, as a marketer, I started to go, wait, your comments and likes don't add up with your followers. There's something not right here. When the biggest shift that we found when likes were removed and I was all for it, was people started posting content that they actually just wanted yeah. to post.
1: Yeah, really.
0: Because you'd have these girls like, you know, we look at the, you know, the fitness industry and it was every single post was rig out, boobs out, bums out. Then all of a sudden, we're getting beautiful aesthetic sunsets and we're getting motivational quotes and we're getting this back to to flow, I want to say. This beautiful flow of a feed really embodying who they are, what they are beyond.
1: Because it wasn't driven by?
0: Wasn't driven by vanity metrics. Would a brand want to work with me if I don't have a thousand likes on a post? No. Well, I can hide them now.
1: Is engagement not the same problem? Like, I don't know how you market yourself now if not likes, but…
0: So now for us, when we're looking at influencers, yes, obviously we want a level of engagement, but I would rather someone who's got an engaged community. So right. for me, I would rather someone who's getting saves and shares. That's right. far more important for me. Obviously, I want real views because you can't hide a view and that's that's a pretty tangible yeah. metric. yeah. And you can ask for analytics around their actual audience. So you can start to see things like the amount of people they're reaching beyond just the people that are following them. Okay. That then shows to us potential. Cool. A comment or a like, and again, I say this to people all the time, I'm so bad. I literally just mindlessly like. It's like there are times where I will literally like tap my phone on my desk without even my fingers just like, (laughs) it's ingrained to do this. It's really bad. So... Does a like necessarily mean mean someone genuinely connected with that piece of content? I don't think so. Cool.
1: Yeah. I like it. I could
0: be wrong. And I think, you know, and I think (laughs) this is where TikTok being so curated kind of messes with you a little bit as well because you're literally showing what it thinks you want to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's another scary one.
0: So good though.
1: I saw an article that came out of like, like individual employees can figure out, allow a thing to go viral or not. I don't know if that's true or not.
0: In what context?
1: In TikTok.
0: They can decide.
1: Yeah, like individual employees at their... I'm getting nods from the side here. This oh,
0: is, I love that. Do you? I think it's funny. Like if you work at TikTok, oh, okay. good on you.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. you got it's a job like, there. It's up to them basically.
0: There's a couple. So Yes, it is up to them, but also trending audio. The audio is the biggest driver. And Nick and I have had this conversation many, many times. You, I can tell when an audio is about to absolutely pop off. A, um, a wonderful friend of mine, Georgina Nevis, who will be back on the podcast very shortly, she picked up on an audio about an hour before she was about to go out for her birthday dinner. And it was the Kylie Jenner audio saying, you know, these are the years you're supposed to be naked, tits out, ass out. And it was just her, in her birthday dress, went viral in three hours because she got on it right at the right time. Right. That's how it works.
1: I don't even know what an audio is.
0: The audio that you overlay over your video. Oh, God bless. (laughs) I
1: have no idea.
0: (laughs) That's why you just help us... Intentionally you pret-
1: tried to avoid all of this. Shit. You
0: protect us from this. I want to go back to, I think, something we were talking about offline, which was more about work ethic and pressure based on this whole comparison model. And I think something that was definitely very, I want to say, a little bit toxic pre COVID was this hustle culture. How do you think social media and people and workplaces in general? navigate that and how why do we think that that's actually healthy the amount of people that can't sit home and do nothing mm. because they feel guilty
1: is that why do you think people were hustling I like, think they I,
0: were seeing everybody else and it's like you have to have a side hustle I remember at one point everyone's like if you're if you just go to go to your job and go home yeah. you're like you're lazy yeah
1: yeah no I mean it's the same it's the same thing of, of, of that idea of a tool of like the reasons why you're doing it makes a difference basically Mm. And I think if you were like, I don't know, if you say like, you know what, I work in a bank and I don't like it, but I'm so passionate about like, I don't know, beekeeping or something. So I don't know, something random. Have you watched but
0: Wednesday I, lately? Yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. <yeah. laughs> I knew <Yeah>. it.
1: <laughs> um, good <laughs> that's a good that was a good call. But like say, you know, it's like I'm in a bank, it's boring, but yeah. like it pays the bills. But I love gonna, beekeeping. I love beekeeping, but I can't make a career out of beekeeping yet.
0: Yeah.
1: Like whatever. Like that I would say is is a form of like healthy. Well, I
0: think that I agree. I think right? that's healthy.
1: Whereas if you're like, man, I just need to make money, or I wish I was insta famous, or I wish mm. I was doing what that person's doing, unhealthy. Yeah. You know? And I'm sure that it reflects in every aspect of your life. Like, you know, you're not, you're not tired when you're chasing valued goals. Yeah. You're not because it's energizing. That's the whole point. It's exciting to do these things. If you're doing it for like, yeah, a lack of a a valuable reason in your life, then it is a a one-way ticket to like, you know, burnout and uh, distress of some kind or another.
0: Can we talk a little bit more about this concept of burnout? Because I think it is this really subjective thing that no one one can quantify it. Um, I think a lot of employers are probably not very... Not aware, I don't know if they're as understanding as they probably can be. How do you feel like people can be a bit more protected from getting to the danger zone? Because it is.
1: Yeah, like with all things, you know, to do with this kind of field, it's it's a combination of everything. And it's a combination of like the individual and their individual factors, like how resilient are they? How well put together are they? In combination with the, you know, their conditions of their workplace. And so some people would, you know, point at the individual and say, it's up to you, get tougher. Others would say, it's not their problem. It's the workplace. The workplace is putting, uh, you know, unreasonable expectations on them. The truth is that it's probably both. Yeah. And, and a million other things, um, including like sort of external circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like a really classic example is like someone who might be a carer. So, you know, you're, you're a carer. That's such a hard role. You probably still have to go to work and pretend like nothing's going on. Meanwhile, you're going through like the toughest thing in your I life. I did it for 10 years. Oh, I didn't realize. There you go. I thought we
0: had this uh, maybe conversation. Maybe we did,
1: but I actually forgot. So We're getting go. personal
0: now. Yeah, yeah it's It's pretty messed
1: up. No, absolutely. And so that's and that's what I'm saying. If you just point at the individual and say like, you know, the toughen up resilience kind of thing, that's unfair. And it's wrong, um, basically. So it's a combination of all things. Mm. And, you know, I heard actually this uh, yesterday. Classic example of a workplace who, who are investing in well-being, which I thought was, you know, what they're doing is really good. But now they send out an email, which is like weekly well-being email, where it says, um, you know, if you're feeling stressed, just like, you know, step away. Just take it easy. It's like, that's not what I can do in this workplace. Like, I, if, I step, if I step away, I have to stay late. You know, yeah. so th- there are sort of tokenistic gestures. If you want to talk the
0: talk, you got to walk the walk.
1: Absolutely. And so, like I say, it's, again, I feel like I never really give any good answers because it's, it's a hard answer, really. Yeah. Like, if you're burning out your staff probably something about your workplace has to change. Yeah. Um, and maybe in tough economic circumstances, like no one wants to do that because they probably have their own financial pressures. Do you know you know what I mean? Like Absolutely.
0: So Absolutely. What is your best advice for, you know, individuals who are possibly feeling like they're in a in a stage where they're gonna burn out. How how do you kind of broach that with your employer?
1: Oh, I don't think I have a good answer because it's, it's, it's it's No, it's a very important question.
0: It's really hard. And I think, you know, I meet so many people and I think part of, you know, part of the reason that I wanted to start this podcast in the first place was we all battle these same things, whether yeah. you work in marketing or yeah. you work in research. Like, we all have the same things. And mm. the reality is we're all trying to just get through life.
1: Yeah, like, I think I have a bad answer, which is that, you know, you can control what you can control, right? So individual, like, I don't want to be one of the people pointing the finger at the individual saying, like, toughen up although that often is what's within your control particularly in the short term you know so that and that in a, in a lot of ways that's just a very pragmatic answer yeah i think another thing that you would probably want to be doing is is like being very clear about what your boundaries are as an employee and then mm-hmm. finding a way to respectfully communicate that yeah and and you know this is again like bad advice for some people who are in a workplace where that's actually not acceptable you know like But in 2023, why
0: is that? How is that not acceptable? Yeah, also,
1: yeah, absolutely. No, it should be. I I agree. But if you're at a place that's like, I don't know, like, for example, if you're at a place that was affected by like lockdowns or affected by like international closures or COVID or whatever, your boss probably isn't thinking about staff well-being. You know, if the bottom line, it's kind of like it's seen as a luxury. I know that it shouldn't be, but it is probably seen as like, you know, once everything's going well, then this is the thing we can focus on.
0: Yeah. Which is kind of disturbing.
1: Well, it's it's a shame, yeah. Because
0: without your people, you don't have a business. Absolutely. And I think what's really interesting, you know, I I somehow bring it back to marketing. But (laughs) what I find really interesting is, you know, one of the biggest things with LinkedIn at the moment from a business perspective is how can we position ourselves as an employer of choice? Yeah. How can we show that we're actually a good place to work, that people stay with us for a long time, they love working here? You shouldn't have to kind of prove that.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like, and this is the thing is that the business case is so clear. The business case of investing in well-being is, it's basically obvious. But, but I mean, there are lots of like, you know, EY and KPMG reports now that have shown for every dollar you spend, you get $4 back in productivity. You know, I think like, even this is… You well, basically, <laughs> basically, like this is a, such a dumb example, right? But if you work in a standard workplace, say like, what does an annual gym membership cost? Let's say 400 bucks? I don't know. Uh, depends
0: where you go. If you get like an anytime or something, yeah.
1: Right, whatever. 400 bucks. Let's say it's 800 bucks. Yeah. Right? What does a sick day cost a workplace?
0: Sick days are the are an absolute burden on a right. workplace.
1: So let's just say you pay, like, I'm making this easy for me to do the math. But
0: yeah, I'm bad at math. If
1: you pay one of your employees like 400 bucks a this day… This is not
0: a maths podcast.
1: <laughs> no, and I should… Yeah, my arithmetic's in the bin, but… <laughs> You know, if you let's just like for argument's sake, if you if a sick day costs you to replace someone or in lost productivity costs you $500 a day. Yep. If you gave those memberships to your staff for free, all you have to do is prevent two sick days a year and it's it's paid off, off, right? Yeah. Let alone everything else, you know, like the fact that physically active people are happier, are more productive, have more energy. Yep. You know, like that's a that's kind of like a simplistic example. Yep. But to me, it's, it's just crystal clear.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. I think it makes so much sense. But the thing is as well, I look at, you know, even simple things like, you know, we do quarterly team bonding activities. You know, we'll go bowling or we'll go yeah. do something. Yeah. It's just fun. It's just good to do something together that's not work related. Yeah. You know, you spend, what are the statistics? You spend more time with the people that you work with than you do with your own spouse yeah. or your own family. So you'd want to make sure that everyone's happy. think what I find interesting is, and one of my team actually brought this up the other day and I thought it was, I hadn't thought about this in quite some time. There was, I think we all put this pressure on ourselves at one stage that our career had to be our absolute passion and that's your meaning in life. And I think for a lot of people, you feel not deflated or defeated, but like, if that is not your absolute purpose, you're like,
1: what am I doing? Yeah, that's a challenge because I think you see like... You know those quote like tweets or whatever where it's like,
0: some of it is so wanky. You
1: know, like chase your dreams or, yeah. or like whatever thing like that. And it's like if my dream is is like painting pictures of trees, like that's not going to be a job. Yeah, right.
0: That does not pay the bills. No,
1: I mean I'm sure there are people for whom that is viable, but
0: well, my trees look. Uh, my my four year old nephew can't even actually work out of the tree. Yeah, so I'm not going to quit my I'm day am. job. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So like, so yes, in a perfect world, yeah, if you could get paid to do the thing that you're passionate about, that would be cool, and you know definitely try and work that out. But it doesn't have to be the source of purpose. And that's where I think when you... Like, so much of what we do is like asking people, inviting them to consider for the first time in most cases, what does a good life look like for you? You know, I I think people don't actually stop and think about that. Never. And I'm pretty sure most people, if you you got them to really think about it, like social media profiles would not be a part of what a good life looks like.
0: What is the... What is the feeling in the room when you ask that question? Because I, I, I feel like I see a lot of dumbfounded faces.
1: Yeah, like… Because
0: no one… They're probably thinking, no one's ever asked me this before.
1: No, exactly. exactly. And unless
0: you've done therapy or some kind of, you know, Even psychology. Even then, sometimes
1: it, it's not necessarily like the first question. question. You know, especially if, you, if you're coming in to like fix a problem. And that's kind of the problem of… The, it's not a problem. It's just like the nature of humanity is that we're kind of like problem solving things. So we're always looking for like, what's a problem that I can fix? When you're talking about prevention, you're not you know you're not like orienting yourself towards a problem, yeah, if that makes sense. So it's kind of a, a bit challenging, um and it's just almost like not natural in a way. but I think it it's really interesting because it does come down to things like it's family, it's pets, it's like lifestyle, sometimes it's work, but it's often work, you know work fitting into my other goals.
0: This is that whole we work to live, we don't live to work.
1: yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: And I think that's where, you know, I talk about this hustle mentality. Yeah. I think that's where the lines got really blurred. It was, you know, that whole, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Let me tell you, I absolutely adore what I do. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you need a day. Yeah. Oprah Winfrey said it herself. This is probably one of the best words of advice I ever got. She goes, if I don't get the eighth day to myself, don't talk to me. Let me ground myself. Let me just do me. I'm not good to you for the ninth and tenth day. Yeah. So that's you know the world's most productive, most you know (laughs) affluent person. Yeah. Like what more? What more proof do you need that you physically can't do it?
1: Exactly. And and that's the other thing of like setting up realistic expectations in a way too, because like I really do love what I do, but day to day it's actually pretty boring. Do you know what I mean? Like it's (laughs) actually pretty well. I mean that's (laughs) what I see in front of a computer and look at spreadsheets and stuff like. But I love people like you. No, for sure, but. What I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I think some people, I see it in a lot of people, they go like, that you know, that's a nice idea. Like, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. But there is no, even the people like Oprah say or whatever who love their work, like absolutely love it. Even
0: she needs it's, she, Well,
1: she's not happy every minute. She's not, she's stressed at times, I'm sure. She's tired. She's, more money, more problems. Well, exactly. And so like, it's just a really unrealistic, like aspiration to be like, I want this job where I'm happy 100% of the time. I mean, I don't know if you've heard of the hedonic treadmill. This idea, no, it's basically like that. People are very adaptable. So um, I can't remember the origin of it, but this idea that like whatever your new like if you become happier or if you if you become wealthier, you adapt. Meaning like that just becomes your new baseline.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Right? Yes.
1: And so you know that's a that's a human thing. You can't be in this scenario where it's like I'm happy all the time. My work m- gives me all this joy and meaning all the time. There are highs and lows, and that's part of life. And Quotes like that are like too simplistic and they set people on the wrong track.
0: Agree. And I think, again, you know, we go back to social media. When you see all this all the time, people start to think that's real life. Yeah.
1: Or everyone on my social media feed, they're all happy.
0: They all love their jobs. They all No, just they won. don't. They cried this yeah. morning. <laughs> they
1: all like, they all won an award. Yeah. They all just went on a holiday.
0: Yeah. They didn't show you that they were in the fetal position for four hours. Yeah. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, one of, you know, another really good piece of advice that I got was, if you don't have the lows, you won't feel the highs. And I genuinely believe that because if things were consistent all the time, you wouldn't know what yeah. the difference is. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, I used to work with someone. So we used to measure like, well, we still do measure like well-being in workplaces and whatever. And and the old measurement tool that we were using, it used to just kind of end up that people were sort of like a 7 out of 10, say, or a 6.5 out of 10. That was really consistent. And someone that I used to work with who was like pretty cynical, but she kind of was saying, I actually don't want to live in a world where everyone's 10 out of 10. You know, like it's I not I think I would interesting... want to punch someone in the face. Yeah, well, basically, I'm not exactly. aggressive, but... You know, like it's just because it's it's not real. Like that's Fla- like... Ned Flanders. Yeah. No one likes
0: Ned Flanders. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, yeah, exactly like Step Stepford Housewives kind of... It's not real life. It's not real life.
0: I think whilst we don't want everyone to be a 10 out of 10 all the time, not that I don't want you to if be a 10 out of 10. It's more that we need to be aware how to be more understanding of those around us. And I think that's where in workplaces in particular, there needs to be a shift to be a little bit more respectful and appreciative that, what does Brene Brown say? We're all doing the best we can with what we've got.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and it's hard. It's hard because there are all these other pressures in the world, basically. And people lose sight of the fact that in a workplace, like you're saying, we're all people. And you have kids to come home to, or you have bills to pay, or caring responsibilities, or... Like, I don't know, holidays that you really, like interest to pursue, whatever you want to do. But for the person who's a manager, say, like they also have this pressure of like, I have a deadline I have to meet. I have this, I have to meet. And we're kind of willing to sacrifice like the human factors, you totally. know, to meet these these workplace goals.
0: Jared Brown actually made a really interesting point. He is the e manager at Sometimes Always. Amazing episode. Um, and he openly admitted, you know, Nicole Voucher me, he openly admitted and he said, I didn't like the person I was. I was forgetting that my team had lives. Yeah. But I had goals to meet. I had yeah. KPIs and I had to get shit done. And I I respect the honesty a hundred percent. And I think a lot of us have been in the position where, particularly when you're managing people, I don't care how you get it done, just do it. Mm. But that's where I think myself as a manager, I try to step back and go, I don't want to yeah. be that person. I look I look at all the managers I've had before me and go, I don't want my team to ever feel like I ever felt.
1: Yeah, and and the idea like it's not the only way, right? Like, it, we kind of have it hammered into us of like, this is what hard, hard work looks like.
0: Yes. And you this know? is how you get results. You pick exactly. dick.
1: Exactly. Yeah, someone <laughs> put me on to… Um, oh, what's that show called? Ted um, Ted Lasso.
0: Oh, so funny. so funny. So yeah, funny. I've like, watched all of it. I've watched a few episodes of the first season.
1: Yeah, I was like… They've been telling me for like a year. And I was like, I can't subscribe to another thing. I'm going to forget. <laughs> like to cancel it. I've got subscriptions to so many things.
0: And you forget and you just check your bank account and you're like, what was that? Exactly. exactly.
1: But anyway, so someone gave me their account details basically and so I've been watching it. Classic. But it is like, it's exactly that of like, this is how, it's just, I think it's a really nice example of like what a manager or what a leader can look like still with a focus on results. Yeah. You know, and again, it's 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 in a sense like ridiculous like the the whole thing of like the gym and the sick days. It's inherently good. Like people want to work in places like that, you know, um, and I'm not talking about like Google, say, or like say, you know, like the extreme examples of like bean bags and table tennis and stuff like.
0: Have you, you know, seen like, Gym Shark HQ?
1: No. Oh my god, it's wild. Yeah, and it's kind of like I can imagine, but it's like in a thriving business. Yeah, it's probably really easy to do. Yeah, but
0: small. So well, what are the what are the little things that other businesses can,
1: can yeah. adopt? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's it's that of like taking like the the first place I think that I would start is like just acknowledging that you have people that you're working with. And so yeah. I'm not sure whether like, you know, like you leave your personal life at the door and this is your work life. Like that just doesn't work really. I think it gets a lot of people offside. And for most people, it's not possible. Like if you've got kids at school or, or like kids in kindy or whatever, like you're getting phone calls all the time. So to pretend like that's not your life or care, yeah. like I'm going to keep hammering on caring responsibilities, but there are things in life or like, I don't know, say you're trying to like get a, a loan out of the bank or whatever, like you have to leave work to go and do that stuff, Correct. right? And so if you have a workplace that doesn't let you do these fundamental, life things. Yeah, like fundamental yeah. things, it just doesn't work out. Even
0: like going to doctor's appointments and things. I'm like, your health is number one. Like if you need to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. Mm. I remember when I worked in real estate and… um the first time I rang someone and I was like, oh, you know, can you come into the office? Like you need to come in, in the next hour because I've got to waive your cooling off rights because you're buying for auction, wah, wah, wah. And they were like, oh, I, I, I can't leave work. I'm like, what do you mean? You just bought the house of your dreams. This is yours, but I need you here in an hour. Yeah. I can't. And that was probably one of the most eye-opening experiences because if, if one of my employees came to me and said, I, we, got, we got the house, but I got to run. Yeah. Go, go. No questions asked.
1: Yeah. No, but how
0: can you question that?
1: Absolutely. No, I, I agree. I agree. And it's the flip side of that is obviously that it can be taken for granted. Like it can be…
0: Don't take um, the piss.
1: It can be exploited. You yeah. know, staff can exploit it. So it is a balancing act, right? It's not, you know, people can find uh, all sorts of cheeky ways to get around these sorts of things. But again, like when you're like on the level with someone like that, I would assume that doesn't really happen. It's when you're getting treated like shit. Yeah. That you kind of think… They're like, oh, I'll take it. Yeah, you an, know, you half check inch. out.
0: Yeah, give me an inch or take a mile.
1: Absolutely. Or you think, yeah, you think like, well, you, you're taking this from me. I don't care to take this back.
0: I read something really interesting on LinkedIn actually during the week and it was um, that con- the concept of work hard, play hard. Mm. Which I hate. Yep. I think it is the most toxic mentality. So you're basically saying to me, work ridiculous hours, yeah. but hey, we're going to get pissed together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's healthy.
1: Yeah. I, I just think like if you're getting life advice from a sentence… Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't really matter what that sentence is. It's not good.
0: If I take anything away from today, it's um, don't look at motivational quotes on yeah. Instagram or Pinterest. <laughs> yeah,
1: like two sentences, minimum two sentences.
0: Give it context.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, but I think you're right. I think you hear these like, I don't know, the example I always hear of like friends who are lawyers and they go to Sydney and it's like, I'm going to work like 16 hours, take the drugs I need to keep me like focused for 16 hours, go home or party, but now take the drugs I need to relax and enjoy myself. It's like, what kind of life? And I think yeah. that's pretty common, right? Like, it's, it's insane. But it's like the big city life, work hard, play hard. Like, all this bull... I don't know if we can swear on this. But podcast, it all... But- we say fuck. Yeah, okay.
0: But it all come. What goes up <laughs> must come down.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's just like, it's just not authentic. It's not what it means to be, you know, human. I guess I'm not, I'm not judging anyone about it in a sense. But it's just not a very realistic way to live, I guess, in my opinion. And, and I'm sure it's, a sure it's a sure way to some of these issues that we're talking about. But what I, the only, sorry to, to right. jump in, but the one thing I was going to say about the workplace sort of wellbeing initiatives, we, we did a bit of work with a hospital in Australia and, and uh, they were putting in a, lot of, in a lot of wellbeing initiatives. And it was really interesting to hear back from staff because, you know, you think about a, a hospital, particularly like through COVID and stuff, it was like an extremely high pressure kind of place to be and what they found was was that when they offered solutions that were driven by the workplace like by the work, by the staff they were much happier and so i think they did this scheme where they basically said you know for for example it compared two things at some place they said like you know we're going to do yoga and it's going to be 6 to 8 or whatever like just make that up it's going to, we're going to do yoga half the staff go like i don't want to do yoga
0: also i don't want to spend more time with you than i have to also, <laughs>
1: Or like even, like or, or maybe like I do yoga in my place where I like to do it. Yeah. Or like I don't want to wear yoga clothes in front of my colleagues or I'm busy at that time, whatever. So it was actually almost had a, had a harmful impact, right? Even though it was coming from the right place. Almost like tone deaf. Yeah, or exactly. Exactly. It's like the email saying like if you're stressed, yeah. just relax. It's like I'm stressed because of what I have to do here. <laughs> Whereas when they said like we've got $1,000 that your department can spend however you want. They were doing really interesting things, like buying a microwave. Like you would never have guessed. Let's buy a microwave so I can warm up my lunch because that's what's missing for me right now. Let's paint. and that
0: makes life better. And yeah, easier. exactly.
1: Like day to day stuff, and only they know. Like who's gonna guess? You know what you guys really need? It's a microwave. You know, <laughs> no one's gonna guess that, right? Or they you were need two kettles. Yeah, exactly. Let's paint the place because it's so depressing in here. Like they were coming up with that's really and cool. some of them did go and do yoga probably, but it was it was driven by their choice, and I think that's really important. Choice choice.
0: That is so interesting. What would, uh, this is probably a bit of a trick question too, but I'm full okay. of them today.
1: Yeah, I'll give you a trick answer.
0: <laughs> what do you feel like the best place to start when it, when it comes to well-being on an individual level is? How do you kind of check in with yourself?
1: That's a really tough question. But like, so we did another review. So we spent like our whole life doing these reviews. So a review, like a systematic review, it's a research thing where you collate different studies from around the world on a particular topic. And the idea when you've done a systematic review is that you've systematically searched the whole world of all the research and pulled it into one place. So it's like, it's kind of like in the hierarchy of evidence, it's really high. Yeah. Because it's not just one study, you know, like, your study could say one thing. My study says another. a Systematic like review all. kind of averages it out. And we did that uh, what's called a meta-analysis where you actually take the data from all these studies and synthesize it into one big study. We did that over a couple of years. We basically read 20,000 papers, which was not fun again. So that's my day. It's like not very fun sometimes.
0: Yeah, You're really selling being a researcher. Yeah, keep, yeah, yeah. Keep, keep, like,
1: keep no, going. <laughs> I, I do like it, but uh, it has its highlights and its lowlights. But what we were interested in, what's the most effective way to build well-being? And basically, uh, the caveat was we were looking at like psychological interventions. What's the what's like to answer your question? Basically, like if you wanted to invest in your well-being from a psychological perspective, what should I do? And the cool thing that we did was we we looked at not only sort of the general population, but also studies that were done in people with a physical illness or even a mental illness. And basically, across the board, mindfulness came up as like not only the most effective way to build your well-being, but it worked across like regardless of whether you had a mental illness or a physical illness. It had a really strong like quality of evidence and it had been done in lots of different studies. And And for us, why that was such a pleasing result is that there are lots of different ways you can practice mindfulness. You know, Absolutely. so we're not really in the business of like telling you what to do because psychology is kind of not there yet. You know, it's not it's not like a drug where you can say like blood test, you're missing this, Totally. Take this. You know, we're not that at that precision yet. And so. Unless
0: someone's in a position where they are so in tune with what they need, a lot of the time you've got no idea
1: Exactly. What's going to make you feel exactly. better. Exactly. And so, you know, you can do mindfulness by yourself. You can do it with other people. You can do it indoors, outdoors, sitting down. You can exercise. Like there are lots of different ways to practice it. And so you can really find what works for you. And, and I think as a practice, like as a thing that you can do in a, in a regular way, it does just give that little bit of separation from the day-to-day life where you can kind of take that step back and start to consider some of these things of like, even things like, how am I actually feeling right now? Like right now, how am I feeling? I think people don't… You know, you say you you, you, no you, you get to work, you've got a million emails. How am I actually feeling right now? Can I just take two step back ground myself and maybe rather than like getting into a flurry, just make a bit of a strategic plan of action of like, don't look at my emails now. Do this yes. thing. Prioritize. So mindfulness, it's a good thing, I think in its own right. But it's also to be like more mindful in your everyday living is really valuable as well. So that's… That's kind of where I would say start. I agree. Um, and, and it's worth considering as well that there are forms of mindfulness that don't work for people as well. So, oh, I'm, not, so I'm not only do they not work, they can be, there can be examples where it's triggering for people as well. Like if you have anxiety, some types of mindfulness can bring on your anxiety. And so it's worth basically, I guess, you know, in, a, in, a, in an exploratory way, practicing what works for you and what doesn't.
0: Absolutely. This is the whole thing. Like there is no cookie cutter.
1: No, right, Like no. what
0: works for me won't necessarily work for you. But I think the biggest thing that I've learned from not only talking to yourself, but in my own experiences is that exploration and understanding what makes me feel good, what makes me feel better. Am listening to myself? Mm-hmm. If I slow down and actually get to the core of it, ground myself, how am I feeling?
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's
0: okay not to be okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I think about, I don't know who I was having this conversation with, are you okay day? And this is very controversial. I think it's a joke because every day should be. You should be asking your friends, your family, your employees, your colleagues every single day. How are you feeling?
1: Yeah. Like I, I think you were having a conversation with me to be honest. Oh. At least it was with me or someone. You at least had it with Maybe me. Maybe I me say it a lot. <laughs> Maybe. And it's, it's a double-edged sword as well, right? Because I completely agree with you. You, you know, it's like Monday, toughen up. Tuesday, get over it. Yeah. Wednesday, are you okay? Thursday, get over it again. Yeah. So th- there's that there's that issue. Uh, I think it's pretty. I think what they've done, for like from a marketing perspective, they've done an amazing job of bringing this to the forefront Couldn't of people's more. minds.
0: But then you've got all these businesses jumping on LinkedIn, and all of a sudden, yes. on
1: Are You Okay yeah. Day, yeah.
0: they're big advocates well, of mental health. Yeah,
1: and this is the trivial thing that we're talking about, like trivializing this or turning it into like a checkbox kind of tech. Um, Exercise days
0: of the year. It's yeah, don't, it's World Donut Day. Yeah, do a post about it.
1: Exactly. We've done. You know, we've had our, cupcake, our cupcakes at eleven o'clock. you yeah. know, whatever. Meanwhile, the half an hour that you spend on your cupcakes, you have to stay now another half an hour late. It's Contradictory. Completely. Completely. And and I think like even they've recognised that because I think this year was like the slogan was something. It was like, you? You
0: did say this? Yeah.
1: The slogan was something <laughs> like um you know like it's not just today it's every day or whatever yeah. it, I can't remember exactly what it was but so I think that you know they're modifying and in a way I can imagine that obviously it started from a, a well-intentioned thing.
0: Absolutely. It can
1: be misinterpreted over time and they're, and they're evolving with it as well. So I think… Well, it has to. It has to, yeah. It yeah,
0: has exactly. to because otherwise it does become this novelty.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one though, even going back to like marketing of having a day. Every Every day is a day now, you know? Mm-hmm. Every day has like a, its day. And so I yeah. think I'm sure if you were working on some rare cancer, you were like working really hard to like, have this as your day. But now that every day is a day, the importance of that is completely diluted.
0: And that's where, how can you have a good marketing strategy where it's always top of mind? It's always at the forefront. Yeah, exactly. You've got your community, the people that are really behind you and backing you. Um, Not to say that I don't think that majority of the population are backing You OK? Day and mental health. I think absolutely. But again, I go back to why is it only September is mental health awareness? Yeah. Yeah, You know, mental health awareness should be every single day, should be every month. We don't yeah. have the resources and the support. You know, we look at we look at the country, for example. There's more suicides there than, you know, again, no one wants to talk about it. But it's it, it's life. It's real. And people yeah. are dealing with this stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: then, you know, you've got people, a family member, because it's not an immediate family member, they pass away and you get two days bereavement. Yeah,
1: yeah, exact, classic. Exactly. You know, going all the way back to that dual continual model thing that we've been doing in our research, it's, this is an example I always give of why I think it's so important. And if you think of like... I can. I always give this story of like a mate who is kind of like a typical tradie. Say gets diagnosed with a mental illness, and all of his friends, because they're thinking about mental health, of like you either have a mental illness or you're healthy.
0: Yep.
1: Right. This, you know, a mate has been diagnosed now. Oh shit! Take a step back because
0: we don't know how to deal with it. I don't know
1: what to do about this. You know, I'm not a psychologist. I don't want to make it worse. Why I think this dual continual model is so valuable is that if you have a broader idea of what it means to have mental health, like to be mentally healthy, you go. Yeah, all right, you have that, but how can I contribute to these well-being things? You know, I'm not I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to address your symptoms of distress, but I'm here for, you know, your connection. I'm here for the relationship, oh, I guess that's connection, but I'm but here how can for I fill like your cup? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you, and you think of like, you know, like a sliding doors thing of one scenario, everyone backs away, the other scenario, we're here to fill your cup like you say, and that has nothing to do with your mental illness itself. Same again, I always go back to the diabetes thing because it's so it's so ridiculous that you would say that. You go, Oh, my friend got diabetes. I'm really going to avoid them now because I don't want to make the diabetes worse. You know, like, <laughs> so true. instead, you go, Well, man, if you need exercise, like, I'll come for you. I'll come for walks with yeah, you.
0: Yeah, let's go for a walk.
1: I'm not going to invite you to like Hungry Jacks or yeah. whatever, like, or whatever you're supposed to avoid. Like, let, let's not do that. I don't know who invites someone else to Hungry Jacks. <laughs> yeah, what was
0: the last time you went to Hungry Jacks? I don't
1: know, a long time ago. But, uh, you know, like that's there's totally, totally different scenarios. And and the, the turning point was how we think about mental health. Yes. If you think about it as this binary of like illness or health, you go down this this poor road, basically. And so that's that's a huge part of what we're trying to do.
0: I love it. I think there needs to be more said about this, which is why I wanted you here today. I know this is a little bit left of center from what we've normally been doing. But, you know, like I said, since I've met Matt, I was already very passionate about this. But I love the work that you guys are doing. And I think more businesses and... I think as individuals, we need to be doing more and as much as we possibly can do and looking after ourselves and looking after those around us because, you know, you don't know what the person next to you is going through. Absolutely. You don't know how they're feeling. I think I talked with someone, Nick even said before, I think we're at like 37 episodes now. Um, I think it was back in season one and when Facebook changed the prompt in and the status to yeah. what's on your mind, they yeah. got the best response ever. Yeah. It's not how are you, because someone's always gonna say, fine, I'm fine, I'm good. It's hey, what's on your mind? What's on your mind? What are you thinking about? You could be thinking about what well, you're gonna have lunch, but there's always something on your mind.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Matt. I really, really appreciate no, it. Thank you. It's been um, great. Any business owners listening, Be Well Co, Matt's your man. Get around it. Any questions for myself or for Matt, as always, join our Facebook group, DigiTalks. This was always going to be a little bit, not controversial, but you know, again, I'm pretty passionate. Um, so thank you for listening. Thank you for your time, Matt. And
1: until next time.